This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. From an undisclosed broadcasting location. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. America, here comes the relief from the pain. Unapologetically, this is Lock and Load with Bill Brady. This is Lock and Load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. Check them out at AeroPrecisionUSA.com. Sometimes it feels like we're drowning in a torrent of really bad news. But I think the worst people fear, feel at the moment, that means they're actually waking up. And if you're unhappy with the political and the economic and the social, all these things manipulating the world today, the critical first step in fighting these forces is changing the way people think about them. So, with that in mind, a lot of people are changing their minds about the culture and institutions around them faster than ever. Here are some fundamental shifts in thinking. Now, not, you know, first of all, good versus evil. Not long ago, it was common for conservatives to see the Marxist left as foolishly mistaken. A collection of young and inexperienced troublemakers who would eventually snap out of their common delusion once they were forced to confront reality. Now people understand that the less real mission is to reject reality. Castrating boys so they can pretend to be a girl is not healthy. Perpetuating racism as social policy is not justice. Imposing a woke state religion over personal conscience is not moral. Or, excuse me, moral. So aiding and abetting child sex trafficking and drug smuggling at our border is not compassionate. Stealing property is not equitable. Just as with Leninism and Maoism before, today's leftism is evil. Then there's the parties versus the uniparty. There's been a seismic shift in the way the Republican voters see political parties. After Obama forced government-controlled health care on America, the Tea Party movement began a desperate fight against the socialist advance. And from the energy of that movement, the Republicans eventually took back the House and the Senate. And despite those triumphs, Paul Ryan rubber-stamped Obama's budgets while refusing to build Trump's border wall. McConnell's Senate Republicans, who had run on repelling Obamacare, cemented socialized medicine with McCain's decisive betrayal. 
Grassroots finally rejected establishment Republicans and catapulted Trump into office. And in response, they quickly assisted Democrats in their attempt to remove Trump with the, hush, with the Russia hoax. In the space of a decade, most Republican office holders were outed as rhinos before voters probably concluded that they were actually a part of a single D.C. uniparty all along. Science versus political manipulation. The only good thing to come out of the government's COVID lockdown was its inadvertent creation of a eureka moment for tens of millions of Americans who realized that science became irredeemably politicized. And when health authorities opted for experimental injections over known medical treatment, they sacrificed lives in order to push an agenda. When they separated families and forced vulnerable patients onto ventilators, they acted inhumanely. When they started to, when the politicians and the corporations started to censor and destroy livelihoods and hobbled childhood development and terrified the public with known lies, they not only proved that objective science is dead, but they also committed crimes against humanity. Self-determination versus global government. Uh, just as Rhino and Uniparty have entered our lexicon as profanity, so too has globalism. And with respect to the constitutional express prohibition or the American public's wishes, deep state bureaucrats and politicians continue to surrender national sovereignty to the U.N., the WHO, the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund, and their globalist brethren. We've lost our self-determination. Elections versus selection. Every presidential uh, election this century has been tainted by allegations of fraud. And instead of remedying this public perception, they've made things worse. Voting has turned into a months-long affair that begins before candidates have even debated and often extends many weeks past Election Day. Electronic voting machines remain vulnerable to hacks. Mail-in balloting devoid of fundamental security, identity checks, or signature verification has transformed contests into ballot-stuffing fraud fests orchestrated by paid political operatives. Secretaries of State refrain from enforcing election law. Attorneys General refrain from prosecuting crimes. Courts rewrite statutory law to tilt elections. Vote counting lacks transparency. America overwhelmingly believes that the election process is, the cheating is pervasive. Then there's the free speech versus propaganda. Well, that's Western governments are so terrified of losing control over their citizens, they attack freedom of speech as a threat because they have a monopoly over information. Words and ideas are now labeled as hateful whenever they contradict the official state dogma. Enlightenment efforts to smother free thinking has exposed the political establishment as mere propagandists and bullies. Money versus control. Many more people believe and realize that free markets cannot exist alongside central banks that engage in manipulation of the economy. Until we free our money from government control, totalitarian governments will use money to enslave people. Impartial justice versus targeted persecution. There is no faster way to destroy trust in a nation's institution than to use the criminal justice system as a machine to target, target a political enemy. The Republic versus the Empire. 
As Mark Twain succinctly noted, America cannot have an empire abroad and a republic at home. It didn't work for the Romans. It hasn't worked for the Americans. Not since the end of World War II. So, D.C. has transformed its limited powers into a global juggernaut beyond accountability. And in the process, Americans, the inherent right and liberties have been abandoned. Finally, civil war versus revolution for independence. As, as we've come to term with these revelations, they've also, we've also realized something else. The federal government spends an awful lot of time and resources dividing us against one another. Should an ordinary citizen ever seek to reclaim their liberty, that that future conflict will resemble not America's regional civil war, but rather the revolutionary war struggle against government tyranny. We live today in a very combustible era in which the common establishment illusions shatter daily. Paradigm shifts in the way people see their world advance in short years rather than over decades or centuries. Is this revolution of the mind uncomfortable, though? Apparently so. It is also absolutely necessary. This is a feature of every great awakening. And as America continues to wake up and continues to start to demand things, and and we see it in various little, little moves like, I mean, as simple as people ditching the smartphone and going to the old flip phone format because all they need is something to make calls and text. That simple. We'll see. We're going to see where this goes. By the way, the generation actually leading that charge on the phone front is Gen Z, which interests me. That's very, very interesting to me. So keep going, America. Keep waking up. Keep pushing. Keep looking. Keep realizing what you see. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. This is Lock and Load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. Check them out at AeroPrecisionUSA.com. A favorite talking point of the Biden White House is that guns are the leading cause of death of children. And the problem with that is that is false. The number one cause of death of the children in America is gun violence, so says Vice President Kamala Harris. Later, that was on June the 2nd, later the White House tweeted, Guns are the number one killer of children. 
And Biden, of course, has made that claim all multiple times this year. Then the Washington Post decided to get on, in on the game. They couldn't just let this be floating out there. This is too meaty. They, they ran a headline, Why Guns Are America's Number One Killer of Children. Then the NPR headline, Firearms Overtook ILO Accidents as the Leading Cause of Death in Children. And even the BBC got in on the act. Gun deaths were the leading killer of U.S. children in 2020. Fact checkers from Newsweek and Snopes also pushed these claims. Now, what I find so interesting about this is with the left, who wants to take and sexualize children, who wants to take and mutilate children, and if, you know, you know, ultimately, if they could do it, they would abort them before they ever get here. Um, they seem to have no issue describing what is a child when they can't describe what is a woman. So first question is, what is a child? For those under 18, vehicle deaths are consistently greater than those from firearms. Among homicides, unintentional deaths, and suicides together shows 2,443 total deaths from vehicles and 2,218 from firearms. In 2021, there were again 2,668 vehicle and 2,519 firearm deaths. When we exclude justifiable homicides that are committed in self-defense, that number falls by several hundred. So even... If you count 17-year-old gang members as children, the White House claim is incorrect. In 2019 and 2020, more minors died from suffocation. Homicides for all ages has been on the upswing across the country starting in 2020. Democrats blame this on guns while ignoring uh, police budget cuts and refusal to prosecute violent criminals and bail reform and mass release of many young healthy inmates during the pandemic. Me, many people would even define children at even younger ages, but the, but the claims that by gun control advocates like Biden and Harris is only possible if they define anyone under 20 as children. Now, for those under 20, firearm deaths exceed vehicle deaths for 2020 and 2021 when you use the CDC firearm homicide data. When you use the FBI data, the vehicle deaths exceed the firearm deaths for 2019 and 2020, and likely 2021, though the FBI data isn't available for that year because it was never completed, right? The bottom line is that about a third of the firearm deaths for those under 20 involve homicide, where the victims are 18 and 19 years old. Approximately 20% involve homicides for 15, 16, and 17-year-olds. These deaths are largely gang-related, and even banning guns is unlikely to stop drug gangs from obtaining guns to protect their extremely valuable drugs. doesn't stop them anywhere else on the planet. And nor does it make sense to blame rising suicide on guns. When gun bans are enacted, there are many other effective ways to commit suicide. You can hang yourself. You can walk in front of a train, jump from a height. You can use explosives or take cyanide. It's the sky's the limit. If you're con contemplating suicide, seek help. But I mean, I know the score on this one. I know that if somebody really wants to kill themselves, they're going to. My first producer killed himself. He tried to kill himself using, a, you know, slamming a car into a tree. That didn't work. It just did everything but kill him. Then as soon as he healed up, he got a gun and went out on a dock and shot himself in the head. Suicide. It's not about the tool. It's only about the result. With the FBI data, firearm suicides make up about 40% of all firearm deaths. So, for example, in 2020, for those under 20, removing suicides would reduce the number of firearm deaths using the numbers from the CDC from 4,253 to 2,960 and using the FBI murder rate from 3,405 3, to 2,112. 
Banning guns might reduce firearm suicides in cases of self-defense. But it won't reduce firearm murders and indeed a ban on guns. Even a handgun ban like the ones we've seen in Washington and Chicago makes things much worse. Because after every gun ban, the murder rate goes up. You would think just once, out of simple randomness, out of the luck of the draw, you know, that the murder rate would have gone down or remained the same after a ban. But whenever the crime data are available from both and before and after a ban, you see the murder rates have gone up. Gun control advocates will tell you that Washington and Chicago weren't fair tests. They'll point out that criminals could still get guns in Virginia or Maryland or in Illinois or Indiana. And that might explain why murder rates didn't fall as promised, but it doesn't explain why murder and violent crime rates go up. Even island nations have fared no better. After the U.K. banned handguns in January 1997, its homicide rate rose by 50% over the following eight years. The rate returned to earlier levels only after a 14% increase in the number of police. Even more dramatic post-ban surges occurred in Jamaica and Ireland with six- and seven-fold increases in homicide rates. This is not about the tool. This is about the policy. The policies which lead to the squalor. Because all of these places where we see increases in, in homicide, a lot of these places are just blue cities that have been run by Democrats for a, a century in some cases, where um, this is finally what has gotten, has gotten down to. The welfare state, this is what it yields. Because in the big cities, the first thing, the precursor to all of this was the welfare state. You didn't have drug gangs like this in the 60s and 70s. To be sure, you had gangs, but nothing like we have today. Nothing like we have today. I mean, And when we had gangs, uh, there was decisive action taken against them, which is not the case now. We know exactly who the gangs are. We know where they are. They know. The police know. It's far easier to blame the gun. The gun is the problem, except the gun has never been the problem. The gun is a, is a tool. You know, in, in China last week, somebody got on a bus and killed six kindergartners, or maybe it was in a school, I can't remember which it was, knifed them to death. In France recently, a bunch of uh, toddlers in their strollers were getting knifed by an, by an Islamic. He was running around just stabbing babies in strollers. What kind of evil nonsense is this? All of that made possible by policy there. Anytime you have this kind of thing happening, it's going to be about policy. We also have the mental health side of it to, to come into play where, you know, certain people can't handle life. But Democrats never ex accept their responsibility for increased violent crime. They want to blame guns. There's no better way to do so than to claim that the guns are the number one killer of children. Well, No. But then again, once again, Democrats, will you define for me what is a child? When does it, and can a child be a criminal? Can a child be a gang member? We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. I've seen just about every corner of this country three million miles in my career. I spend a lot of hours on the road, but I love being my own boss. The road can be a beautiful place, but you're out here on your own. 
there certainly are risks. I'm Charles. I'm a truck driver, a husband, and a father. And that's why I choose federal. When it comes to online gun shops, Primary Arms is one of America's largest retailers of new firearms, parts, accessories, and gear. They stock over 600 popular brands, all with everyday low prices and fast shipping. If you ever have any questions about a product, their team of product experts will help you make the right purchase. So, don't settle for less. Visit PrimaryArms.com today and see why so many gun owners make it their first destination for all of their firearms. Needs. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. In the 21st century, the handgun has become the preeminent self-defense tool. At CNH Precision, we specialize in taking your weapon to the highest degree of functionality possible. With a complete array of goods and services specializing in red dot sight installation, CNH Precision will help you realize the most effective handgun the first time. If you need slide milling, installation, or accessories, go to chpws.com. CNH Precision, welcome to the Boom Squad. At Chambers Custom, we have one job. We strive to build the most obsessively, reliable, accurate, and beautiful pistols for the discriminating gun owner. Using the ageless 1911 design with a 21st century approach to each part and component, Chambers Custom meticulously begins each pistol as a standalone project, creating a bespoke, handcrafted, peerless firearm. They integrate all of the internal, external, and intrinsic elements that make a custom 1911 unique. Go to ChambersCustom.com. Chambers Custom, truly the mechanical advantage. At Spikes Tactical, we are all shooters with a very simple mission. Make the best product we can perfect at the best possible price for our consumers. We strive to produce the best components and rifles available with quality control second to none because real-world events don't allow for a second chance. Whether you are an operator, competitor, or home defender, Spikes Tactical will serve you well. Go to SpikesTactical.com. Spikes Tactical, 100% American-made to the highest standard. No such thing as a fair fight. And we bring the unfair advantage that is the 2011 platform. Dominate. At Staccato, we know the most important gun you own is the one that you're carrying when you're facing that threat to life and freedom. Win. We want you to enter that objective confidence that you are carrying the best gun in the gunfight. No compromise. No sacrifice. Staccato2011.com. Stand ready to face down the darkness with 2011. Holster.com, the home of DeSantis Quality Built American-made products for 45-plus years. Supporting police and government contracts from first responders to responsible citizens. Holster.com is your source for quality American-made leather and Kydex holsters for the armed American. For concealed carry or open carry, Holster.com has what you need. We didn't invent concealment. We perfected it. Go to Holster.com now and buy a DeSantis holster today. 
What's in a name? If that name is Ace Firearms, you've just entered a very expensive business. First, a fully appointed gun shop with all the guns, ammo, and accessories you could possibly imagine. But then you enter the manufacturing facility that is home to Red Alligator Concealment, Militia Arms Customs, and so much more. Ace Firearms is beyond a simple gun shop. This is a totally peerless operation. To find out more, go to acefirearms.com. Ace Firearms. This is only the beginning. At MGS, we have what it takes to reinvent yourself. With a curriculum designed to balance work, family, and a gun repair education, MGS provides the gateway into one of the fastest-growing segments of the gun industry. Modern Gun School's mission is to provide high-quality distance education using time-tested materials and hands-on projects designed to develop a proficiency in both the technique and the business of gunsmithing. Go to mgs.edu. MGS Trade School. Your future is waiting. This is Lock and Low. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American-made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. Check them out at AeroPrecisionUSA.com. COVID was very educational for the totalitarians. They saw a means to get the power they wanted, and they did it with fear. They, they drove everybody crazy with, with fear of this disease. That they, Everybody thought, they thought if they went outside, didn't possibly have a mask, even though you're out there in the sun where it can't really exist, um, or driving in a car. Windows rolled up, mask on, you know, six feet. Uh, nobody wanted to talk to anybody. If anybody coughed, he was probably going to get clubbed to death. So they did fear, and fear worked. And we all locked up. And some of us began to see the difference between what was, you know, a, a real issue versus what they were telling us was going on. And we figured out COVID was just like the flu. Some of us got it and survived it. Well, they're deciding they're going to use a climate crisis to try to cancel gasoline-driven cars. This is totalitarianism at its best. Now, soon after a World Economic Forum partner was caught calling for an end to private car ownership, a climate expert is warning that the push to cancel the gas-powered cars just a ploy to end private transport. The climate crisis is a hoax. But for an authoritarian globalist, it's a good hoax. Thus, we get this from Climate Depot's Mark Morano. He went on Fox Business last Thursday and discussed how the Democrat and globalist push to replace gas cars with EVs isn't about helping the environment, but restricting the freedom of movement of the Americans. He said this really isn't about them driving an electric car. Highlighting this how this is a top-down decision not based on popular demand. This literally is the banning of gas-powered cars. It's being done just like the COVID lockdown without a vote, which is an interesting, interesting take on it. From California to the Biden Environmental Protection Agency to Australia, 
The leftists are trying to force ordinary citizens into a corner with their gas car restrictions. And uh, the Pew Research Center published the results of its new survey on June the 28th. And it found that less than half of the U.S. public, 40%, favors phasing out of the production of gas-powered cars and trucks. It's also significant that EV batteries generate lots of toxic waste, so they're not better for the environment. But Murano went on. He said, this is not to force people into an electric vehicle. It is to collapse the plentiful freedom of movement and force us to use mass transit. They want us on the subway. See, it's a global collusion. A lot of mass transit is used overseas. They want us on buses, and that's what this is about, he said. Former U.K. PM uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's transportation secretary said owning a car was outdated, an outdated 20th century thinking. They're rationing vehicle use. It's very simple. You can look at Cuba to see how that turned out. You're going to have a lot of used cars. Then he, uh, then he focused on John Kerry, the special presidential envoy on climate, who just testified to Congress and denied owning a private jet, though his family's owned a private jet for years. And we get this from Fox News. Now, keep in mind, when John Kerry was confronted publicly last time in Iceland, he flew on a private jet to Iceland to pick up an environmental award and gave the original defense the equivalent of, do you know who I am? I am so important, I have to fly a private jet. I'm trying to save the climate. But he doesn't have time to be with the masses on a commercial airplane. And what he said that day in front of uh, Congress was, uh, I don't own a private jet. We don't own one, meaning his wife owned one, until last year. And now he says he's been on only one flight, and that goes against a lot of contradictory evidence. He's actually been on several dozen private jet flights since he sold his private one. Bill Gates was asked the same thing. He said he gives uh, to carbon offset funds when he flies a private jet. Al Gore said the exact same thing about uh, 20 years ago. He said he didn't own a private jet without dressing whether he flew in them. That's all Bill Clinton-level parsing. Shifting now, you know, Newsom is out there uh, talking about his 28th Amendment. And although the Second Amendment protects individual liberty by telling the government what it can't do with respect to gun control regulations, his amendment would tell the government what it must do to restrict individual liberty through gun control. And he wants to ban semi-autos and impose many more layers of, I mean, the gun industry has so many layers of red tape already. He just wants there to be more. And the notion that he's trying to do anything other than gut it is laughable. And despite Newsom's insistence that these measures are popular, they've been passed only by a small minority of states. The two-thirds majority of both houses of Congress, much less being ratified by the requisite number of state legislators, it doesn't have a chance. 230 years after it's been ratified, the Second Amendment plays a big role on a daily basis, preserving your natural right and your life, particularly from criminals who would harm you. Depending on who you believe, which study you want to look at, between 500,000 and 3 million times uh, per year, You are using a gun in self-defense. In 2021, the most comprehensive study ever conducted on the issue concluded that roughly 1.6 million 
defensive gun uses occur in the United States every day. Take that, divide it by 365. On a daily basis, it's very impressive. So here's some examples of people using guns to defend themselves, like in Pennsylvania in a road rage incident. You know, a group of people in one car followed another vehicle and threatened its occupants with a gun, causing that driver to crash while trying to escape. They then fled the disabled's car and hid on a nearby auto parts store, and the group in the other vehicle found them as a friend driving a truck arrived to pick them up. There was a shootout that ensued, and it was self-defense. Shreveport, Louisiana. Police said a man shot and wounded his daughter's boyfriend after he assaulted her, took her keys, and reached for a firearm. Alton, Illinois, a woman armed with an illegally possessed gun showed up to a family member's place of work in violation of a protection order, physically assaulted her relative, and threatened multiple employees. A co-worker of the relative, also armed, shot the woman who departed in her vehicle. Tulsa, Oklahoma, a trespasser aggressively approached a homeowner as he was doing yard work and refused to leave the property. Trespasser cornered the homeowner in his garage and assaulted him with lawn shears. Homeowner escaped, got a gun, and shot him. This is all happening in June, by the way. Hartford, Connecticut. Two armed robbers entered a store, pistol-whipped an employee who opened fire with his own gun, wounding one robber. Big Clifty, Kentucky. A woman fatally shot her ex-boyfriend when he forced her way into her home just before midnight. Wilson Mills, North Carolina. A man fatally shot a trespasser who cost his young daughter in their backyard. Cudahy, Wisconsin. Police said a resident came home from work to find an unknown man hiding in his attic, and he held the intruder at gunpoint until the cops got there. Columbia, Missouri. Police said that an armed resident successfully detained a burglar who, after stealing from multiple houses in the neighborhood, broke into his garage and tried to take his car. Las Vegas. When a helmet-clad gunman began to indiscriminately shoot a rifle in the lobby of a luxury condo building, an armed employee returned fire. Grovetown, Georgia. Police said an intoxicated driver fleeing a hit and run repeatedly rammed his car into another vehicle. It was trapped by stalled traffic. That driver fired his gun several times at the intoxicated driver's car, ending the assault. This happens all the time. That's only all that stuff. All and that's not everything. That's not everything that happened. That's just some things that happened in June. So no, no, Gavin, not happening, Gavin. Thanks anyway. Appreciate it. And uh, on your way out the door, there's a free sample of Brill Kareem waiting for you. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. Lock and load. This portion of the show is brought to you by Aero Precision. For over 25 years, Aero Precision has paved the way as a leading manufacturer of American made AR parts. Aero Precision caters to the rifle builder by engineering quality receivers, hand guards, and other essential parts. Aero Precision's added enhancements create a smooth build process from start to finish for beginners and seasoned builders. Whether this is your first rifle or your 50th, Aero Precision offers everything you need to make a quality AR at an affordable price. Check them out at AeroPrecisionUSA.com. 
Right now, we're starting to see a interesting migration and a, a lot of different types of migration. In the United States, a lot of people are leaving blue cities and blue states and coming to other places where they have less tax, less crime, you know, more business. The Southeast is becoming the corridor for both population and business. More and more businesses are moving into the Southeast. More and more people are moving into the Southeast, and hopefully they're leaving their politics behind them because we don't need it. Now, another thing that's happening is movement of business. And in certain countries where, like here in the United States, that happened, but that happened because of policy, and that actually was you know, aided and abetted by the government. But see, here's the problem with this. When you do this, and you, like in the United States, if you keep a headquarters in the United States, of course they can tax you. But as we found out, like when you look at California, California looks at the exodus going on in their state, and they're trying to figure out a way to keep taxing people that move away, which, you know, I don't even know how that works. That, that's, how, that's how the American Revolution began, taxation without representation. They think you can just follow somebody and keep taxing them. And when these totalitarian areas begin to lose their revenue, this is where they're going to be looking at things and try to force an issue. And if they can force it, they're going to do it. But... There's a small problem with that. If they, like, say a business moves to my state, South Carolina, the governor of the state might look at the business in his state, who he attracted here, who he courted to come to this state. He might look at it and say, you guys are still trying to tax this business, which is now anchored here in my state? I don't think so. Now, over the course of time, with all of these things that we're talking about as far as... uh you know, the things they're trying to impose upon us without a vote. In California, they want to do away with cars altogether that burn gas. In New York, they want to do the same thing, and they want to do away with gas stoves as well. In California, they also want to do away with lawnmowers. They want to do away with a lot of things. In the end, they want to do away with food. And they think they can do all of that without asking you if that's okay. They think that they have some divine providence to just make that happen. Those policies are beginning to, it's beginning to be a snake that bites its own tail. In Germany, which is a very hoity-toity country as far as the way they regard themselves, coming out of, what is this, where did this come from? I can't, can't see where it's coming from. Germany's biggest companies are ditching the fatherland. Chemical, uh, chemical giant BASF have been a pillar of German business for more than 150 years underpinning their industrial rise with a steady stream of innovation that helped make Made in Germany the envy of the world. But their latest moonshot, a $10 billion investment in a state-of-the-art complex that they claim will be the gold standard for sustainable production, isn't going up in Germany. It's going up in China. Now, right now, China is not exactly the omnipotent giant that everybody thinks they are. But these plans were already in the works before some of these signs began to show, I'm sure. So they'll go ahead and go with it. They lost, BASF lost a significant amount of money last year in their home country. And this is what they're trying to do to staunch the bleeding. And what German companies are finding out is that they cannot compete from their home turf. Contrary to the EU sensibility and socialist assertion, companies actually need to make money. 
BASF Martin, uh, Executive Martin Brudermuller. He said, we are increasingly worried about our home market. They lost 130 million euros in Germany last year. Profitability is no longer anywhere near where it should be. And this, this, he says, such malaise pervades the whole of the German, German economy, which slipped into a recession in the first quarter amid a flurry of surveys showing that both companies and consumers are deeply skeptical about the future. So the elite core of diplomats in Brussels, with the Germans having led the charge there for decades, have created a green energy fantasy built out of whole cloth, enabled in large by taxing the profits of the efficient, wealthy, compliant multinational companies like those in Germany, all in the name to save the planet. But now they're looking for an out. So we get suddenly a perfect storm is brewing over the uh, former European powerhouse, signaling that its current recession isn't just technical, as policymakers pray, but rather a harbinger of a fundamental reversal in economic fortunes that threatens to send tremors across Europe, injecting even more upheaval into the continent's already polarized political landscape. Confronted by a cocktail of high energy costs, worker shortages, and reams of red tape, many of Germany's biggest companies... Volkswagen, Siemens, to a host of lesser-known smaller ones are experiencing a rude awakening and scrambling for the greener pastures in North America and Asia. Energy is killing Germany. Absolutely killing it. You know, not too long ago, they shut down three clean, reliable nuclear reactors. And while they're trying to run things with wind power, they decided to dig new lignite coal mines and opened up some new coal-burning plants. See, they, they refer to their energy grid as a dirty energy grid because of what they actually have to do in order to support it. But if they're shutting down nuclear in order to be clean, but they're going to coal, how, isn't this messing up your propaganda? Aren't you sort of uh, contradicting yourself? And the prices continue to be beyond all reason, driving residents to breaking and businesses are relocating. And we get this. German energy prices are so high that some companies are considering leaving the country altogether. CNBC's Annette Weisbach asked Rassworm, uh, that's Siegfried Rassworm, the head of the Germany Industry Foundation, whether the ongoing energy situation was bad enough for companies to relocate, which he responded, it is indeed. A lot of family-owned companies have very operational plans to relocate, adding that the current business conditions in Germany have created a cocktail of obstacles for companies. Many German headquartered businesses are doing well globally, but they're struggling with operations in their own country. Now, Green Party leader and economy minister Robert Habeck, one of the frequent villains, he seems unconcerned with this. He said, in my view, Germany is an attractive location for both new and existing companies. And, of course, materials industries are under pressure as a result of higher energy prices. But there are political decisions to be made. So that's one of more industrial subsidies, right, to support electricity purchases. But Germany's running out of money to offer subsidies to the wind and solar program. So they tried something new. They've made the industries pay their own freight for access to new development like Danish wind developer Orsted, you might remember them from the New Jersey thing, told them to blow it out of their turbine. They're not going to pay for jack. They got sort of mad that it was even raised. 
So this is where you know this is where you see countries becoming deindustrialized. This is Detroit, but in a different way. The what the reason Detroit became what it was was because of competition. The reason this is happening is because it's being forced out. So you know, Germans are not known for being fast on their feet when it comes to change. But uh, you know, if they're going to do away with the gas-powered cars, the gas-powered, you know, the, you know, Mercedes, BMW, Renault, Toyota, all these things that are in Germany, well, they're not going to be they're not going to be able to make things up. Now, some industries will stay in Germany as long as they're paid by the government to do so. But this is deindustrialization. This is where we take and go back to a time when we rode horses and we made our own butter and we killed our dinner that night. Yeah. That's what they got in that's what they have in the works. That's what the WEF wants for the world. And then when all that happens, then they'll be shoveling out the the supposedly the the grasshoppers, but they'll die anyway because we're doing away with we're going to do away with their food source as well. Interesting. These leftists are very interesting. We'll be right back. This is Lock and Load. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.